What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm Colton McCormack, and this is the Certified Wrench Podcast. Back again, looking sexy as ever. You guys can't see me, though, because it's just a recording. <laughs> Today's special guest is somebody that's been following the podcast probably from the beginning, right? Pretty close. Yeah. 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 Trent Norton. I guess I should have asked you how to pronounce your name from the beginning. Because I always fuck up your last name, so I will let you introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Eric Strubig. Strubig, I got it right then. I just didn't want to say yeah. it wrong. That's right. Sterbig. Erdberger. <laughs> anyway, I took last week off because I had a lot of shit going on. Just trying to sell my truck, finally got it sold. Was over it. Didn't want to deal with it. Tired of dealing with people. Also, having to do a bathroom in my house, unfortunately, uh, wasn't planning on it. So now I'm spending more money. Uh, Weird. Had some water damage, you know, the usual bullshit of being a homeowner. So I missed last weekend. So we're back at it. Um, Got Eric on. Uh, Been wanting to get him on for quite a long time because you're doing something different than you used to. You're no longer a deer guy. Didn't you? Not a deer guy. So you left deer and went to Volvo, correct? And then now you're doing a private gig. Um, I still technically work for a dealership, but it's not construction equipment oh. per se. Oh, so I thought you were working for a private contractor. No, I uh, I switched to the union, um, and, and that kind of led me to where where I'm at now. So now I work on crane. On what? cranes cool well actually that's kind of good that you're a union guy because i don't know if a couple ups a couple episodes ago i was talking about union but i didn't want to talk about it incorrectly so i said oh we'll just get somebody on yeah you know it was you me and who you and derek derek Kent. yeah that's right i think you guys are talking about it that way yeah so uh before we get into any uh, you know, topics or anything. I might stop you here and there when we talk about your little bit of background, but you know, we always love hearing, you know, where you started and how you got into it. So let's hear a little bit of background. Yeah. So, um, out of high school, um, I got accepted into college. Um, I decided to go the army route. Um, somebody said something about free college, you know, seemed like a pretty good, pretty good win across the board. Um, so I was in the army for about eight years, eight and a half years. Um, I went to college while I was in cause they paid for it. Um, graduated with a bachelor's degree in political science and public administration with a minor in economics. I use none of that. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like, like HR's dream. And then I show up and they're like, you do not belong in HR. Um, but when I was getting ready to get out of the service, they had, um, like some transition programs, like I think it was called like helmets to hard hats and um, deer had the CSP, which is like the certified service program or something like that. Hmm. Um, And they basically said, Hey, you take like 25 classes and you finish those and we'll get you an interview somewhere. Um, But when you get accepted into the program, your name goes out to dealerships. So I got a call like, the second day from a dealership in my area. And um, so I started going there with not really any 
real background. Um, I was a quick learner and like, you have to turn wrenches in the service because you have your own shit you got to fix. Um, and maintenance is usually like, Hey, that sounds like a you problem, not a me problem. <laughs> um, so you get real good at fixing, fixing Humvees. Um, but yeah, I started at the dealership and just started taking all the classes that I could, um, just kind of knocking them out, which is good to kind of get like some like baseline information. Um, and then I switched from the egg side of John Deere to the construction side. Um, and then I started going to all the capstone programs. Um, and the CSP is a cool program because for like two or three years, John Deere will pay for all of your classes. So your dealership only has to pay for your wage and like your meals. If you go somewhere out of, out of state, um, and the dealership that I worked for, um, that is super familiar to you. Um, <laughs> they, so that was like a green light. To, was to the, them. was the ag dealer and the construction dealer, same company that you were? No, for? they weren't. No. So in my, in my area, they're not, okay. um, the construction dealership doesn't have any egg dealerships in my, my region. I They're all you. outside of that. Um, but yeah, I went from like a small egg dealership to my, the big John Deere. And then, um, they were like sweet because more capstones means more warranty money, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So for like my first, like six months there, I was probably gone like two weeks out of every month. Hell yeah. Um, so like I went and did, I probably had, I was capstone in everything except haul trucks, haul truck, everything but haul trucks and crawlers my first year at deer. And everybody's like, Oh, you're certified. I'm like, sort of like, <laughs> I mean, I'm certified, but like, I don't know how to work on them. <laughs> right. That's the thing. Like you get done with these capsules they're like, Oh, you can do warranty work on this. I'm like, uh, I mean, I guess so. But like, I mean, I remember watching, like, I was watching like a sweat and grime YouTube video on like how to run an excavator before I got to like my excavator capstone. You said that incorrectly. It's diesel and iron. Whatever. Sweat and grime, <laughs> diesel and iron. Same Shout thing. Out. Brian will be mad. Shout <laughs> out. Rick and Brian, thanks for dinner in Vegas. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I got back and got this really long list. Like, I think I have... Right now, when I left the deer dealership, I think I left with like 890 credits. Like every class you could take, I taken. I took all the capstones, got all the certifications and everything like that. And then I left. I was, and, but when I was there, I was like, like, well, you're capstone. And I'm like, oh. yeah. So? I mean, <laughs> it was just, it was a three-day class where we stayed at a casino. Right. Like I wouldn't classify me as a master tech by any means, but <laughs> um yeah, that was good. I mean, I had, you know, I got, that was kind of where I got thrown to the wolves on a couple of things. Um, it was good overall, but, um, yeah, I remember coming back from like the greater capstone and they had a greater come in and they're like, Hey, you know, <clears throat> this thing's throwing a bunch of after treatment codes. I'm like, okay. So like, you know, you plug your laptop in and shit like that, but you know, there's certain things that are specific to graders that I had never dealt with. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, your capstone. I'm like, so. I don't know why y'all keep throwing that around. Like that means that I'm like this seasoned tech. Like I took a three day class in Arizona and then you guys gave me a certificate. Like, yeah. And they talk about the basics in every single class. Right. Like the, the basics. Same. And 
Right. And all the thing is, is basically like, how do you service advisor to your advantage Mm -hmm. outside of that? Like, there's not a whole lot of like the most in-depth one we had was like excavators, like production class. Cause they talk about like the control valve Mm -hmm. and different spools. Like that's the most in-depth one, but like the skid steer one was basically hydraulic diagnostics. So we actually have a, a a few um, John Deere. What's the word I'm looking for? They work for John Deere. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you think the training courses for John Deere actually, how many times have you used those training courses to your advantage? Just like in general? In, um, in general, like anything from those classes and any of those, if it's a freaking backhoe or a ex- yeah. excavator, how many times have you actually used those training courses? I would say that it's not necessarily the training courses that I use so much as it is like the principles of like diagnostics, like, Hey, you should check this first or this first or this first. And that might just be because, you know, I'm fairly green still. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I still have all my, my capstone books are all in my service truck. I mean, I don't even, I don't even work on deer stuff very much anymore, but I still have a book. Every capstone I went to, I have every single book that was given to me. Like, that uh, oil sample and that coolant guide that John Deere have. Mm-hmm. Um, I printed all those out and put them in a binder and they sit in like a little waterproof box in the back of my truck, but it can't hurt to have. So I am fully capstone across the board. Mm-hmm. The only thing I don't have is 944 hybrid. Yeah. I have used my training courses once and it was literally I went to the first class for the John Deere motor grader with smart grade, the first class they ever had. Yep. And I took it and sure as shit, I got a machine. Oops. I hit my desk. Uh, I got a machine like three days after I came back and it was throwing all kinds of codes for, I can't remember. It was mistracking or something. wasn't staying straight. And I used that class to my advantage and it worked out perfect. But ever since then, Never. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I don't know. I, it's good. I will say that at least the dealership that I worked for, like my specific location was super good about sending dues to classes because they had enough guys They rotated out. But then I talked to other dealerships, other guys from other dealerships in that, that same company. And the one guy's like, oh, I've been to one capstone. I'm like, well, how long have you worked here? And he goes 10 years. I'm like 10 years. You've done one capstone. So I probably make more like, money than you then. Jesus. Yeah, like I'm. We're definitely not. Yeah, we're, we're definitely not bringing that up. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like you know, the training's good, but I feel like maybe it can change or improve. In my opinion, yeah, maybe, yeah, less. Like, who cares about the bugs? Let's get more hands on and actually dive into stuff. And, right, because you have like like when they're given the test, you know, the test bugs or whatever like that, you know, we had one guy that taught most of the capstones and he was a really good teacher, mm-hmm. but he used the same two bugs for every capstone I took with him. I'm like, Oh, I bet you he cut the end of one of these fuses off, popped a fuse. And I'm like, Holy shit. One of the fuses cut off. All right. You go to another one. He's like, Oh, it's a dummy sensor. Holy shit. Like just stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I wish there was more training, like hands-on on the equipment versus like, well, if you have this one thing happen, I'm like, yeah, 
that's rare. Like I don't, I'm not the guy that's out there doing that. Like yeah. it comes in and we have a pretty good idea what's wrong with it. It's just repair work at this point. Yep. Well, sorry, I kind of interrupted you. We went a little sidetrack. Uh, where were we? You were working for the construction deer. Yeah. Yeah. I was working for the construction deer. Um, and you know, when I first got like, when I first interviewed and got hired on, I, you know, listed a couple of things that I wanted to do and be allowed to do and, um, or try. And, you know, when you get hired on, everybody gives you, you know, it's all sunshine and rainbows. I promise you anything. Yeah. Sucking basically. that Duke. Yep. And like, I had been there for a year and a half and I was like, Hey, like I didn't ask for a whole lot here. Like I wanted to ride, you know, I wanted to, to try to do, do some field service or ride around with the field service guy. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Do we need to pause here? Go ahead. No, she's just, she's <laughs> grabbing her stuff. Go back. That's through. awesome. I love it. Yeah. We're, that's staying in. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it was like this list, is, you know, it wasn't even an extensive list and they kept saying, Oh, we just haven't had the time. We haven't had the time. Like it's been a calendar year or more. Like you couldn't find a day, like there's 365 of them. Like, <laughs> but, um, it just kind of got to do that. And then, um, you know, they kind of always say like, you don't really quit jobs. You kind of quit managers. Mm-hmm. And, that was, that was one of the things is our management team, I think in the entire office, only one dude had ever turned wrenches before. One guy got hired on and he knew some of the other guys. And so he got his other guys in there and I mean, they weren't bad dudes, um, but they weren't, I don't think they had the necessary tools to be really good at their job because they're talking to dudes. I think you've talked about it before, but like you're talking to a mechanic, if you've never done it before, like, well, this sounds super simple to do. Maybe on paper it is. And Hey, the book time is three hours or whatever, but that might not be the case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could say three hours. We'll just give an example. You know, it might say it takes three hours, but you know, they didn't take in, into consideration that three of the bolts might break and you're going to spend an hour or two getting those broken bolts out. And then they right. get mad at you because your efficiency is now low on that job. Right. Well, yeah. And then you would look at, you know, you know, they'll look at past job or work orders and they're like, Oh, we don't have one for this machine, but on two series before this, it only took two hours. So, okay, well two series before this didn't have after treatment. Like, I'm pulling all this after treatment shit out now. And, you know, I got a broken bolt here. I got them aftermarket fixing some shit in there. So like I'm going through a wiring harness that has splices in it. And you're like, Hey man, like, I don't think three hours is realistic, but you know, what it's what it is, I guess. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I was there and then, um, I got the opportunity to get in a service truck. Um, and Volvo, the Volvo dealership, Volvo Mac or whatever, um, offered me a field service spot. And so I took that and I gave, uh, I gave deer a two week notice. And the guy goes, uh, can you, can you leave today? Like, could today, like right now be your lat? Can you just load your tools up? I'm like, sure can. So back my truck up, threw my box in and, and left like five minutes after giving notice. Really? Yeah. I was like, Hey, I'll work, you know, I'll work my two, you know, I'll give full two weeks notice to do whatever. And he was like, yeah, you, you have a key take your stuff today. Like now, I'm well, like, if it's the company that I used to work for, then yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's protocol. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it is. Um, but yeah, that was, I was like, okay. So I called the Volvo dealership. I'm like, Hey, like I got my tools. I can bring them up now. He's like, Oh, you're not going to, I was like, I gave notice and they said I could leave. He goes, okay. So, um, I started there and I did kind of like a weird first month. Like, uh, I did all my stuff was in the shop and I rode around with one of their guys. So I did like some of the shop work and then rode with one of their guys to kind of learn some of their accounts. Um, and then for me to get like my M Shaw cert and some other stuff. Um, but that dealership dealt a lot with like the Volvo mining side. That was pretty much exclusively what they dealt with that and waste handling. Um, and the two field guys there drove to like Virginia, Minnesota, which is like three hours from where I'm from. Hmm. And like, they would go, I mean, they were gone and, you know, they'd run long days, which is, which is common. But with my custody schedule with my kids, I'm like, Hey, like I can do this a couple days a week, but the days that I have my kids, like I can't, I can't work 4am till eight or nine at night. Like I don't have childcare. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and they understood. Um, and that was when I got accepted into the union. Um, and I made the transition into, um, the company that I work for now. Um, and the field service here is, I told them like in the beginning, I was like, Hey, I have my kids, you know, this day and this day. And then every other weekend, um, I work as many hours as you want this, but like the days that I have my kids, I have to be out. Um, and if that doesn't work for you, I do apologize. Then it's, this is not going to be the right fit. And they're like, Oh no, nope, all good. You're, you know, our field guys make their own schedule, which at first I was a little confused. Right. That's the kind of what I was confused by. Um, but honestly, I've been there for five, six months now five months now, something like that. And, um, it's spot on. I mean, I work this week was kind of like a typical week. So I have my kids Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, um, Monday I got to work at like four in the morning out at the, at the rail yard. And then, uh, I was there till like 10 30 at night <clears throat> swapping out this big hydraulic table they use to lift up the locomotives and stuff. And then, um, had kind of a regular day Tuesday and then Wednesday, 3.30 came around and I, you know, parked the truck and went and got my kids and same thing with Thursday and Friday. So they've been super accommodating that way, but. So you're in yeah. a truck over there? Yeah. You don't get to take the truck home? Yeah. I do get to take the uh, truck home. I just don't, I just don't want to have my kids cause it's like across the cities, park it, get my truck, go back <laughs> across the cities. Yeah. I got you. But yeah. The, the nights, the nights I don't have my kids, I definitely take my truck home. I want my tools at home. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Same, saves me on fuel. So, uh, I guess we, you know, because that was with Derek, right? When we talked about union, but I didn't want to talk yeah. about it too much because I, yeah. I didn't want to get off the, give off the wrong information, even though I worked for a union 10, 13 years ago, somewhere in there. Uh, yeah. is it, I, I don't know what you heard on the episode, but, was I kind of correct on what I said, you know, as far as like, it's kind of a job insurance type deal. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little bit different depending on how you work for. So I work for a dealership that's in the union versus like an independent, uh, an independent will still lay dudes off. And uh, here, Minnesota, we get snow. So there's a couple months of the year that you might be laid off. And then when they're working, like you're, you're working. Um, but it all depends on what company you work for. So, um, for me, 
I don't work for an independent, so I don't have a season. So I work year round. There's not layoffs. Um, it's nice because and they all have different union agreements. It depends on your union. There's all that. So I'll just speak on my union. Um, but the benefits are really the draw to the union for me. I mean, the money's good. Um, I'm making more now than I did for sure at my last year dealership. dealership that I worked at. Uh, like I'm making a couple. Man, I fucking cannot stand this and why we have poor connection. It'll be great for a little bit, and all of a sudden, it'll like cut out, and then you come back, and uh, it, this sucks. But so, what did you? Uh, what did, what cut out? I'll yeah. start over. Or whatever. No, no, you're fine. I think we got it. We got the gist of what you were saying. Ever so often, right. it just cuts out a little bit. Usually, I don't record on this, but I didn't want to make you drag your computer out and all that shit to use eCam. It's kind of a pain in the ass. And whatever. I apologize, peoples. This is, you know, so far, I really like this episode. I mean, it's been great 21 minutes so far. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think we can hit on a few topics that a lot of us haven't hit yeah. on yet. Uh, Absolutely. So I apologize if I interrupted you on that. No, you're good. Um, so what kind of benefits, you know, working for a union do you get? I'm not talking like medical and all that stuff. I mean, like, do you get any type of a benefit for working for a union? Yeah. So, um, and it's all, I mean, there's, you have like your standard stuff. So like you get like, you know, like your, your uniform allowance and all that kind of stuff. And there's, there's all the monetary stuff. Um, but the nice thing is, is that you don't really have to worry. There's always going to be work, at least at least because I work for a dealership. Like there's always work. We, I mean, we don't lay anybody off. We're busier than what we can handle. I mean, we have there's three field techs, and there's probably nine service guys, and then we have about twenty on the other side for assembly. Um, uh, but um, I like working for them. Um, some people don't like it because you can't just go into your boss's office and, and demand a raise. You have to wait till everybody gets their scheduled raise, which good, bad, or different. Um, I like the scale. Um, cause you can definitely see kind of where your, your target marks are. There's, there's, there's hard set numbers versus like when I was at deer, you know, they always talk about having like a posted scale and there was never a posted scale anywhere. I and mean, you had no idea. We had dudes that got hired on from tech school making fuck like what, like a level two would make that had been there. Cause he started lower and he worked his way up and this mm-hmm. guy walked in the door at a level like three. The way that, <laughs> right. Like we had a dude, um, he got hired right out of school and because he was like a scholarship program or whatever it was called. So he got $2 an hour until his student loans are paid off. So he got $2 extra an hour and he came in at 29. So he was making $31 an hour at like 20 years old. Yes. He got, he got like, you know, he had his tool stipend. Um, yeah, it was, I'm like sitting there, I'm like, man, motherfuckers making, like he's doing like PDI. He's like, Hey man, like, how do I check pressures in this? I'm like, (laughs) I don't know. You, 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 you making that money, man. Like, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it was definitely, it was interesting, but yeah, the union is a little bit different in the sense that like you have like your, they're like year marks. Um, and then you have like your apprentice and your journeyman, stuff like that. So 
Gonna find my baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna grab some afternoon delight. My motto's always been, when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? When everything's a little clearer in the light of day. And we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite Looking forward to a little afternoon delight Rubbing sticks and stones together make a sparks ignite And the thought of loving you is getting so exciting Sky rockets in flight Afternoon delight You guys have it, I think Afternoon delight So... We hung up, got off of Instagram. We jumped over to face Facebook. Who the fuck? What the? <laughs> we jumped over to FaceTime, and the sound quality is much better. Right. I agree. Oh yeah, yeah. And you sound so hot right now. <laughs> so oh, hot. you are. So my question now. So you are a field tech. You confirm that with me. What yeah. inspired you to become, you know, I'm just going to throw it more of what inspired you to do what you're doing, you know, and how did you get, well, we already know how you got started into the field, but what inspired yeah. you to do this? Because it, it, you said you went and did eight years in the army. What was your intention after the army originally? Uh, I was pretty short-sighted, so I was like, I'm going to join the Army. And then when somebody's like, what are you going to do when you get out? That's a, that's a, that's a future Eric problem, not a, not a current Eric problem. Um, <laughs> but I didn't really know. Um, I think after my first enlistment, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, so we extended. Um, and then, <clears throat> I don't know, I was always, like growing up, I liked taking shit apart. Like I'll take anything down to the bear, anything. Um, I couldn't put anything back together. So my dad told me I couldn't work on cars cause I just take it apart and wouldn't put it back together. Um, but I really was always interested in like the guys that could go fix like anything. Like you don't have to call somebody cause you can kind of fix it. Um, as a kid, I think everybody likes heavy equipment. You see it and you're like, that shit looks cool as fuck. Like, that's way cooler than cars. I had no interest on in working on cars, like performance cars or performance diesel trucks. I didn't really care about that. Um, so then once I kind of decided to, to try that out after the Army, um, I don't know. I I like the aspect of being a field tech versus a shop guy because you're, you're the guy. Like, if they call you out, you're, you're the guy that has to fix it. It's not a... Well, I can go just check down a different bay or something like that. Like you're kind of the end all be all for whatever needs to get done. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to do that. And I like doing, I was always the guy at work that like volunteered. If nobody wanted to do it, I would volunteer for it. I don't know. I thought that kind of like would make me more valuable. Like if there ever take, came a time for cuts to like, well, Phil and, Phil and Bill and John over there, they don't want to do stuff. Eric will do anything. Like, <laughs> it really just means that you get all the shit jobs. Um, like, hey, we need to weld up this belly pan on this, you know, garbage machine. You'll do it. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, 
Yeah, I guess I don't really know if there was like a definitive time where I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, but once I decided to do it, I just figured, fuck it. Might as well jump in. Word. So what kind of equipment are you working on now? Um, so my company is Cranes. Um, we are a Manitowoc Grove Crane, Potane, um, Pal Finger. I mean, I, we'll work on anything. Um, but I also do, I guess it'd be classified as like a residency. Um, like two days a week, I'm at a really large railroad company. I don't know if I can say who they are, but um, they're the biggest one in the Midwest by far um, and probably in Canada as well. Um, And so I am their in-house guy two days a week. So that just means that I fix anything, whether it's their freight line of road trucks or, you know, their hydraulic systems, their tables. I'll do car work occasionally, but they have guys for that. So I don't do too much, too much on the trains. Um, all their man lifts, stuff like that. And then most of my stuff for field service is all cranes. So whether it's tower crane, <laughs> hang out. More kids. <laughs> hey, we're going to pause. So as uh, most of you know, listening to this, this is more of a, you know, day in the life of field tech or mechanic. And with a day in the life of field techs or mechanics or whatever you do, blue collar, you, some of us have kids and they are a pain in the ass, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they like to interrupt, but that's okay, man. I do not mind that at all, but we're back. Um, so let's jump over. So I put a question, question deal on Instagram the other day. I want to do an actual like Q and a for myself, but people didn't seem to process that too much. Uh, on some of their answers, but that's okay. But one big topic was boots. Yeah. And what kind of boots I like or what I prefer, whatever. That's kind of a tough question for me. I can answer it, but um, what about you first? Um, I always used to wear... Um, like shit kickers, like cowboy boots, uh, steel toe cowboy boots. They were comfortable. They're pretty durable. Um, I didn't have to fuck with laces or like when I would weld, I wouldn't snap a lace. Um, but for field service, they don't have enough grip, at least for like the condition, especially like up here with the winters. Um, so I wear like the red wing loggers. I don't know if they're super loggers or logger max or whatever they're called. Um, and then at the rail yard, I have to wear, special boots that have the little CSA, the Canadian safety triangle on them. Basically just means there's a puncture plate in the bottom. So you don't put a hole in your foot. Um, but yeah, I like the loggers. They have an elevated heel. They're super comfortable and they have a good, good amount of traction and shred on them when you're climbing around wet or dirty equipment. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That, I'm kind of the same way, man. I, I wear boots lately yeah. as far as like shit kickers uh i don't even have still toes right now i've just got a pair of justin slip-on boots which i always swore yeah after i about broke my ankle out in west texas i wouldn't wear them ever again so yeah. i went and bought this really expensive pair of red wing boots with tall heels on them and like 
they were comfy at first, but now that they're all broken and stuff, I can't stand them. And it was a big, yeah. big waste of money, in my opinion. I, uh, I have been recommended thorough good boots, uh, yeah. by my buddy Mike Castro. I'm sure you know who he is. Yep. Um, I, I want to try them, but you know, of course, there's nowhere local to try them on to see if I even like the way they feel. So I'd have to yeah. order them and spend that money and hopefully they work out for the best. And lately, you know, I've been seeing a lot of advertisements for Brunt. Brunt, yeah. Uh, don't know much about them. Uh, from what I can see, you know, everybody really likes them. I'm not going to recommend them, though. You know, I don't know nothing nothing to recommend. Yeah. Right? No, and I, I think they make a um, – they're definitely making – kind of like a no frills no frills boot um in the sense that like for the price point you get all the things that you're you're looking for you you might not be getting like the red wing name or the thorough good name or whatever it is but they seem to be pretty solid from the guys that i've talked to they haven't had too many problems with them for the most part i had a couple guys but um yeah they seem like a pretty good pretty good value for the boot um i looked at getting a pair of uh west coast for a while like the they're made out by like where my family's from um and they're custom 100 percent custom boots um you can get them resold and rebuilt downside is uh they're like twice the price of a pair of red wings so Holy like jesus for like a pair for a pair of westco loggers like what i have in the red wing version to get them in westco they're like 650 a pair and i just don't know if i can i have never had a pair of boots last long enough to justify that so <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It's kind of tough to say because I haven't I haven't experienced a ton of different types of boots. You know, usually my go to is to go get a pair of fucking you know slip on boots at the local store, yeah. and whether it's Ariat, Twisted X, you know, yeah. Double H or Justin boots, that's my go to. I had I really liked. I used to have a pair of lace up steel toe. They look like shoes but they were twisted yep. X and they were soft sold. And I really liked them, but that soft sole, you know, once it soaks up the oil, you're kind of screwed, but man, they were so comfortable, yeah. especially on concrete. I'd like, yeah. to, I'd like to go get another pair just to have, but yeah. Yeah. And I will say that like, I have the logger sole now, like the big Vibram healed loggers. Um, if I'm working in a shop all day, they're pretty, they're pretty hard on the old the old ankles and stuff like that walking on concrete all day but when you're out you know in the in the mud or the dirt or whatever then then they, they do pretty well yeah eh, enough of foot talk um uh, maybe uh, you work in kind of socks you work wear. In, <laughs> i was gonna say so <laughs> i know like this time of year i guess you know, it's cold and then gets hot type thing. Drive to work yeah. with your heater on, drive home with your AC on. And it drives yeah. my feet out so bad because I don't know if, what it is, but my feet get dry. They crack. Is that something that a lot of people go through or is that just me and the way I wear um, boots or what? Uh, I did. I mean, I took some lessons away from the army and they do a pretty good job of preaching foot care just because you're on your feet your whole fucking life basically there mm -hmm. um so i wear like wool 
I wear wool socks year round. Um, whether they're like the darn tough ones or like the REI socks, but I wear wool socks year round and that keeps my feet pretty, pretty happy, pretty kosher. Um, but I don't really have the, the dry foot problem. I, at least I, not with that. It got so bad for me one year here that my feet were so dry and rough that I wore a hole in the sheet where my feet would sit every night. Nice. And my wife was so nice. mad at me. I'm like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I He's literally like, put on socks, knucklehead. Yeah. You wearing socks to bed. <sighs> Fuck that. And I got to have my cold air on my feet. But yeah, I wore a hole <laughs> in the damn sheet. I've never done that. Anyway, let's yeah. talk about the forbidden thing on this podcast. Tools. Ooh. <laughs> Red club forever. Red club forever. So you drink the Kool-Aid. I do. I don't drink it as much as Wade does. Oh, my uh, God. But his shit dude. looks good. Dude, his shit looks good, though. Like his truck, he's got all those fucking packouts. But, I mean, whatever keeps your shit organized. So, like, that for tools for me, that would be the topic. Like, for service trucks, you always want more space, right? Like, you can never – what do you want in a service truck? I want more space. Like, I want more usable space. Um so like I just spent, I think was it a couple of weeks ago, I spent like an entire weekend dumping my truck out and then reor just trying to get it the most. So, cause you drive, do you have a Ram or a Ford? Yeah, Ford. I got a, I got a Fred. I got an F five fifty, but I have like the, the hatch door, like the access cab or extended cab or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And um, that thing's. I like that much better than I like the regular cab or the crew cab because I can get out and open that up and I don't have like a big B pillar or whatever it is there. Mm-hmm. But like in my truck, so part of my company's, um, what they do is they outfit trucks. So if I want a new drawer system or drawers or shelves or lights on my service truck, I just go get them because we build them. So that gives me kind of like I wanted a different vice than what the truck came with. So I went over and I picked out a vice and I had our fab guy fab up a plate or a bracket system and we made a new vice for the truck. Um, but I drive a 2019 F550 with a pal finger body, pal finger crane, and then I have a Miller Bobcat. Um, and I think it was the episode. Were you talking with Joe, uh, Mr. Cash, Cash Money Millionaire? <laughs> and I have the short pal finger body, short like the short walls. I fucking hate that yeah. because those things, like I have, I'm coming from, I had an Epic, um, pretty much the same setup that um, Westman had where she had the big job side box and then the Epic. That's what I had. And trying to get all that in a service truck is not... I think he takes it out of blow molded cases so it fits in drawers, but then you don't have shit in cases, and it's kind of like this juggling act. Um, uh, did you see my YouTube video, my truck yeah. tour? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. So I have high sides, and like I said in the video, I, I liquidated a lot of stuff to make it fit and have some room and be able to do some yeah. stuff, but it's packed, and I have a standard cab, so you know I would kill to have yeah. like just even an extended cab. But the extended cab's super nice because, like, I keep all of my, 
like my inverters, all my chargers are in there, all my paperwork, any clothing, welding hoods, all my hard hats, all mm-hmm. that stuff. And then underneath, because it's the back seats are gone, right? So it's we have it built like a tray. Then I have shelves anchored up with an inverter, and then underneath that like tray is these big like weather weather tech drawers. So I have this big drawer that goes the, the whole width of the truck, um, and that's where I keep like torque wrenches or especially to anything that I don't want to get banged around or is just too expensive to have kind of be willy nilly in the truck. Um, but yeah, I mean, try to fit all that stuff in a truck and then you have, you know, your torches and your welding leads and all your rigging. And then, um, I don't have a bolt bin on my truck, which I'm okay with. Um, one, they're super heavy and they take up like an entire wheel well (laughs) box section. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I have a little bit in my, like, I like those, um, those metal slide drawers where you can pull the insert out. Yeah. Like what your shop would have. Mm-hmm. Um, I got eight or 10 of those over one of my wheel wells and that, that works pretty well. Um, but yeah, just trying to organize that and keep it. I mean, I can tell you where everything is, um, in that truck. Um, there's definitely days that I reach for the wrong drawer, uh, and it oh, makes you want to, I do it all the time. Want to kick a fat kid in Kmart. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's everybody's got like their specialty tools depending on what they do, right? So, coming from deer where everything's metric, um, a lot of the stuff I work on now is SAE. So, I've had to now double up some of my purchases because I bought, I mean, I have all the basics, but you get all the specialty stuff in metric because that's what deer uses. And you go out there and they're like, oh, well, this is, you know, a seven eighths fitting or whatever. And you're like, sweet. That's just. That's just fucking dandy. Thank you, National. <laughs> but that was one thing. Yeah, I you did. definitely. That's one thing I did from the beginning. Was you know, if I bought it in metric, I probably bought it in standard. Yeah, because you never know. And I, right, and like you always, you know, I think mechanics kind of always buy tools, but I buy way less now. Like when I first switched over here, I bought some stuff just because I didn't have it because I wasn't used to working on it. Mm-hmm. But now it's. Odds and ends, like if somebody has something cool or, you know, they say, hey, this helps with this or whatever, I'll grab it. But um, being in the truck, you don't really go on the tool truck too often. Like I'm never there when he's there. So it's usually, hey, just give it to so-and-so in the shop or put it on my box and I'll I'll get it the next time I'm in the shop. Um, like I think my last tool truck purchase was, I think I bought a slack adjuster and a pair of gloves like two or three weeks ago. That was about it. <laughs> Yeah, so but, how many years you got in now, wrenching-wise? Uh, five. And you're already in a truck? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's good for you, man. I mean, it took me a long time to get yeah. into a truck. I'm, I'm, I'm about to hit 17 or 18 years. So did you – because you started in automotive, right? I started and in automotive. And then you transitioned – then you transitioned into John Deere Ag. Yeah, so 2015, I, I went to the Ag division – and I actually didn't even start on ag equipment. I started on mowers and compact. Yeah. And uh, that's where I got my real first service truck. Yeah. So I'm, what, six years in? So I'm sorry, not six years. I'm yeah. eight, somewhere in there. Eight in the truck. Yeah. Yeah, when I worked, so like my first year in the John Deere egg side, um, we didn't have, our dealership didn't even have a field tech. That's how small it was. Hmm. Um we had other branches that did, but our branch didn't. Um, 
but we had like a Chevy 2500 with like the topper and like a drawer or like the big power slide thing. And they'd be like, Hey, you know, so-and-so country club has a mower that went down, go grab some shit. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So like, I'm like three months into this job. I have no, no education down. And I'm like out here. Of course, everybody wants to watch you, which nobody tells you that when you first go out to a field job. But I got like four dudes over there talking shit in Spanish to me. And I'm like, what, what, what machine is it? And they're like pointing at this one. I'm like, that's not even the right color. That's a red machine. Why, why am I here? (laughs) But yeah, I, uh, that was like cake ass work, man. Working on CNC stuff. Oh yeah. That was uh, gravy, but of course I got really yeah. bored with it really quick and got thrown to the wolves, yeah. which is fine. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, man, I lost my I train, think it's of, train of thought on what we were talking about. Well, uh, we started talking truck. about tools, but we went straight to yeah. service trucks, which is fine. I don't know. I'm, you haven't you haven't like fully drank the Milwaukee Kool Aid yet. I don't know you got your boss kind of hooked you up with that half inch. Have you gotten more stuff from that, or are you kind of sticking with your going to run the the Mac with or the the Dewalt with yellow lipstick for a while? Yellow lipstick. It's a it's Dewalt with a red dress or red lipstick. Yeah, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, actually, I don't even use it too too much. Like I've got I got my half inch Milwaukee. Yeah, that I use a lot. I use the shit out of it. Yeah, um, yeah. And then as far as like my three eights, I use my little snap on fourteen volt for everything. Yeah, I love. I bought one of those on a whim. Love it. Love that thing. I bought one of those. They had one. There was a one on the truck, and he's like, "A hundred bucks is yours for one hundred and fifty. I'll throw you an extra battery and a charger." And That's I was like, bad. "Bet." And shit, like the sec, I'd never like dropped any of my Milwaukee tools. They all have boots on them, and my snap-on didn't and like day two it took a tumble off of a nine uh, off of 944 into a big old like coolant tray <laughs> like shook it out and me being stupid i'm like well i better test to see so like before it even dried out i like hit the trigger and it blew all the coolant out but it worked i'm like but yeah that thing i mean for being a small little impact i use that at deer pretty much exclusive i mean that took every panel off that i ever needed I mean, I, I rarely reach for anything other. That was like my most used tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have all Milwaukee stuff. Um, our shop, we call them Obama tools. Um, the shop bought, used to be all DeWalt. So like all the guys in the assembly side of the shop would get DeWalt tools given to them with batteries. Like the sh- we provided them. And so somebody from service was like, well, why don't, why don't we get free tools? So we call we, we now call them the Obama tools and they gave me a, DeWalt three ace 20 volt or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. I mean, it's the same shit. It's just a different fucking color. I mean, I don't like that. I now have three chargers in my truck instead of two, but <laughs> yep. um, yeah, I mean, I think whatever, whatever works for you is, is good. I will say that Milwaukee kind of, kind of, kind of dunked the market and that they have everything like yeah, you can get any but you're married to the battery like the tool really doesn't matter it's whatever the battery is because those batteries are like 200 bucks a piece yeah. i mean i got i got two thousand dollars in milwaukee batteries sitting in the back of my truck fuck that yeah i, I but, i'm done buying tools like i've said prior yeah. you know i i've got a little bit left on my snap on i think and i'm gonna pay it off and just be done i went to go buy yeah. i wanted to buy a 3 8 torque wrench from him the other day 
on Thursday. Yeah. He was there and he was like, oh, yeah, this digital one's only 670 Or no, he said it's $705, but I'll give it to you for 670 I said, yeah. How about the tech not? angle? Yeah. Yeah. I bought one. It's the new one that goes up to 125 foot pounds. I'm just like, no, I'm not, I'm not spinning that on that. I will go buy a cheap gear wrench fucking click style. Right. And I, I noticed like, so I have, I think there's a time and a place for both. Like I bought click styles to begin with because I couldn't afford to drop $2,000 on two snap on ones or whatever. Mm. Um, like the click types are really great if you're doing like you know basic stuff but like when i started doing engine stuff at deer and then at volvo everything had torque turns or, or torque to yield mm-hmm. and i'm like i could paint them and fucking crank them over with an impact or whatever it is but it was just nice to be able to kind of preset it and it would count how many fasteners so you're like shit did i get that last one and you're like all right well it says i did eight you know i did eight of them or whatever but um i don't know i think that it's buy whatever you want. I mean, just don't go into a bunch of debt. Like you get these new guys that buy 40 grand worth of snap on shit. And it's like, do you even, do you even use all that stuff? Like we had a guy in our old shop, like he didn't have a single tool in his box. that wasn't snap on or Mac. And he bought like the instinct grip files from snap on. He's like, Oh, these are great. I'm like, I got tecton ones. They're like six bucks on sale. Menards. They work pretty well. Like, fuck do I care? Like, Yeah, I I uh, I don't do that much engine work. Like I've got this engine ripped apart in the shop right now, and it's the first one I've done in a while, seven years. Yeah, I take that back. I took a head off while I was at the deer dealer, but that whatever. I took it yeah. off. It dropped the valve. There was no saving it. Yeah. Uh, so there's no point in me going and dropping seven hundred dollars on a torque no. wrench that I'm going to use once every four months, you know? Right. So that's where I'm at with it. I'm, I don't want to buy any more tools. Like I said, in the last episode with the depth ape, I, I don't know how much longer I'm actually going to be wrenching full time. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. But. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's nice to have the tools for every, you know, for whatever, but like if I stop wrenching, or even if I transitioned into like an office job or something like that, like what am I going to do with one inch sockets? Like <laughs> there's nothing in my, what am I going to put a drywall anchor in with a, I'm just going to neck it down on my big one inch gun. Like that shit doesn't. Yeah. Uh, well, it's just nice to have, but I think a, a lot of that stuff, like my one inch stuff, th- three quarter inch, I might hang on to, but like a lot of the one inch stuff will probably get sold, you know? Yeah. Cause there's no use for it in the garage. Right. I actually just bought, I had like a bunch of like random three quarter sockets, like whatever I needed, I would just buy one socket. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, I don't need a whole set. Um, but like all my impacts with the exception of some specialty ones are all sun X or, uh, gray pneumatic, gray pneumatic. But I just bought the, uh, I just got the master set of gray pneumatic three quarter. So it's three quarter to two and a half. Yes. I've got that same set and it's fucking amazing. It, <laughs> it is right. And I, I find, you know, I got it. I took it out of that stupid five foot wide blow blue box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're like, here, where's this fit? I'm like, nowhere. Like, like yeah. doesn't even fit in the passenger seat. Um, but that's been nice to have just because a lot of the, um, a lot of the crane, like the boom sections when you're pulling apart, um, outriggers stuff like that and a lot of truck stuff runs bigger 
bigger fasteners on it. And it might not be the craziest amount of torque, but, you know, we got like two inch nuts on the back of like the cable keepers and stuff like that for the boom sections. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to sit there and and try to neck, you know, I'm not going to sit there with a wrench to pull it off when there's, you know, however much of it. Um, But yeah, shit. So I kind of want to jump, jump to the next topic here. uh, Cause fuck tools. We talked enough about it. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Man. What was I? Uh, so I got an email from a guy the other day that wanted to, wanted me to talk more about retirement stuff, which I've I've talked about in the past. I think I'm going to save yeah. that for another episode. Um, you should you should ask somebody that's close enough that actually looks at their retirement. Yeah, well, I dude, I pay attention to all that shit. Like that stuff is super. Important I'm just saying, like for for me, like for the union, I have pension, mm-hmm. so. Well, I, I mean, I contribute to a 401k, like the union sets you up with a pension. So, so I know what it's going to look like. So you have a pension. Okay. So yeah. Uh, do you have to work there for a certain amount of time, like 10 years before you can even receive that? Or how does that work out for you? It's five, five year vested. But um, so like our union package is like 68, 50 or seven, $69 an hour. But on the paycheck, it's, 40 something or whatever it is. But, um, you have, um, like 10 bucks goes to like all your healthcare stuff. So your health insurance and all that kind of stuff, but like 10 bucks an hour, nine dollars and 50 cents an hour goes into your pension. Mm-hmm. Um, so you work, you know, in X amount of years, like we just had a guy retire and I used him as an example. So he retired with 90,000, 90,000 hours in the union, which is, 2,000 hours a year for 45 years. Mm-hmm. He did it. He joined when he was 18, so he retired at 63. And in our union, that's like, I think it ended up, they post it because it's posted. Um, it's like $17,000 a month. Ooh, fuck. Right. I mean, granted, Uncle Sam will take some of that. Yeah, but I was like, going to say, how much, what's his percentage he takes of that home? Um, he takes about 60, between like 65 and 70, depending on how he has shit structured. It's so, like he's still taking damn near 10k a month home in yeah. retirement and like in theory when you're retired you should have far less bills than you did when you're starting out for obviously a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a big like I still contribute my max to a 401k. I have since I first started working that's how what I did in the army like I just wanted to not not fuck myself later down the road. Which I don't four hundred one k drives me nuts, man. You know, uh, you're putting your own money into this quote unquote savings account that people are right. gambling with, right? And if you want to borrow some of that money, you get taxed on it. It just oh, <laughs> super fucking super hard. Like I remember, I took I took some out um, during my divorce to cover stuff, mm-hmm. and. I'm like sitting there, I'm like looking at it. They're like, all right, you can take, you know, let's say, well, you say 5K. Yeah. And they're like, all right, here, here's your 2,600 bucks. I'm like, fuck, you need my 2,600 bucks. They're like, well, you paid the rest in taxes because you pulled it early. I'm like, half? Like, yeah. up in fucking smoke. It's like 30, 35%. I did the same thing a couple of years ago. It's, it's insane. Yeah. It's your own freaking money that, 
I I get it. It's pre-tax when it gets paid, but right. still, yeah. it just it makes no sense. But I digress on that. Yeah. So, like as far as benefits and stuff, uh, full full coverage, full coverage. That's not yeah. right. That's auto insurance. Um, yeah, I, I heard. You know, it's always better union wise. Yeah, I got. I will say. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. So, like, compared to the deal, the deer dealership and the union, um, it's better coverage. And I think I technically, I'm going to air quote, technically pay more through the union because it's part of the package. Like, the package pays yeah. more, but like, it's not out of my paycheck, really. I mean, I don't. I don't see it get deducted out of my paycheck because it's part of the package deal from the company. But, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I like it. Um, it's not as good as Army's free insurance, but I think free is relative there. Yeah. Um, so with uh, your five years of doing this job, yep. whatever you want to call it, yep. have you had any close calls or seen anything? Or got any good stories? Yeah. Um, oh, I've seen a couple close calls. Um, like say, like safety wise. Oh, any of it. Like uh, I mean, yeah. Somebody maybe almost got their hand cut off, or you, you yeah. got a good story so remember, of yourself, or whatever. Yes, I remember. We had so the deer dealer, the 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 shop that I worked at was the main like cylinder shop for the Midwest. So like we had a full-time cylinder guy and a full-time machinist at the dealership and we had a full machine shop. So we do those big like PC 3000 mine shovel, like boom cylinders. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, they're not, uh, they're not the easiest things to, to work with, but they couldn't get one unstuck, like the hydro. So I came in one morning and they had, uh, like the rod end was hooked to a 1050 K and about 20 feet of chain and the other end was hooked to a 1050 K with about 10 feet of chain. <laughs> and they were pulling it in the shop, like playing tug of war. And this intern was walking that way. And while they were pulling this apart, like he just wasn't paying attention. He like went to step over the chain when they were pulling the shit apart. I'm sitting here. I'm like, and like the best part was like, I'm looking over in the corner and like the shop boss is like watching this whole thing transpire. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> um i've had a couple guy we had one dude i think get um he got a hydraulic he got hydraulic injection in his hand because he went to um bust a line loose and it was it had a crack in it and he was trying to find the leak so he went down there he was like feeling around and he had the guy pull the lever and he pulled the function and the line went through and it blew through like the webbing of his hand <clears throat> that was pretty that was pretty fucking gnarly um we had a couple dude. We had one dude almost. Uh, he was cutting with a torch, and the one guy had swapped tanks out, and he thought the fitting was loose. But uh, you know, one of the tanks threads on normal, and one of the tanks threads on reverse. And <laughs> the kid actually loosened it, and I don't know if there was a spark or something that came back. But the guy was cutting with a torch, and it just blew this whole flame out this the side of the tank. And of course, it was right next to all the other tanks. But yeah, we were. I haven't really had too many. Too many crazy things. My last field call for a crane, we had a guy. Um, I didn't know. They had like the the stick of the crane was like up in these trees, so I couldn't see the end of it. <clears throat> they didn't tell me anything about it. They just said it was stuck and it wouldn't telescope back in. Um, so like, well, the last guy just pulled the counterbalance valve and let it let it walk in. 
He goes, otherwise we can cut the emergency relief out. I'm like, well, you cut the emergency relief out. Like, oh, that thing's going to drop. <clears throat> He's like, all right. So he gets on his radio and he goes, hey, you guys, hang on. And I said, who are you talking to? And he goes, oh, there's dudes in a basket up there. <laughs> so we can't cut the emergency relief out with two dudes in a basket, 250 feet in the air, man. And uh, like this dude was like with the wrench on, ready to like bust this line and let the whole thing fucking fall with the dude up there. And like he didn't see a problem with it, like at all. But Jesus Christ, you know <laughs> that guy didn't have like he had like no crane certifications. He didn't have an operator certification. He didn't have a CDL to drive the truck that the crane came on. Like he was just a dude that had knew he knew the owner and he was just hanging out out there. Cool. You gotta love those guys, right? Hold on, I gotta sneeze. I think. Nope, oh, it went away. Damn allergen. Yeah, it's killing me. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think I got any. I think I pretty much told all my good stories. Um, yeah. You know, uh, shit. Yeah, I don't think I got anything. Anything good lately? I did talk have about you anything. That, oh, go ahead. Did you have? Have you had anything that like just fucking stumped you? Other than that engine. Uh, actually, we got the engine figured out finally. Uh, did have a couple bad liners. It actually had some broken rings on one of the pistons. Uh, Ideal. But right between, it's, it was either five or five and six or four and five, the head gasket was pretty toast. Uh, yeah. So I was going to rebuild the engine. I was going to give everybody the update on this, so thank you. Uh Welcome. I was going to rebuild it, got it all cleaned up and because there was no, no long blocks available. Like literally we called on the Friday, nothing. And then Monday came around. Oh, Hey, there's one available. So we ended up just ordering it. So that's my yeah. project right now. But, um, man, I get stumped quite a bit. I actually, so I talked about it recently. Um, the four seventy where I plugged in the, EDL and yep. it fried the main controller. That one yep. kind of stumped me just because it was like the way it was acting, like the machine would run just fine. Yeah. But the only thing that it would do was through it through a communication code and the fan speed would go all the way to hundred, hmm. but it was a main controller. So yeah, that, that one got me. Luckily we have resonant for deer and the machine was under warranty. So we kind of, I kind of, oh, nice. I got to hop on his computer and was like, Hey, let me check out DTAC real quick. Sure yeah. shit. First thing that pops up was that problem. That's the one thing I miss about working at a dealership is not having DTAC. Yeah. And I think for as many, as many, like I've gotten to use pretty much all the systems at this point. I haven't really used the Komatsu one at all, but like, between was it sys and, and e-tech or whatever it is and i will say that deers is by far i think it's the one that i've used it's by far the best it's the most intuitive it gives the most there's the most information available like especially the new the, the most up-to-date one was at five yeah service advisor five or whatever yeah. like you can open up you punch in a machine and you get everything you get schematics and procedures and readings and all that kind of stuff whereas like when I worked for Volvo, it was not like that. Like you didn't schematics was a whole different thing and it might not have an image available. And then going through the procedures, it might have them. It might not. <clears throat> it would, you know, sometimes it, depending on the machine, it might just read the code. Um, and then you'd have to go hunt that down somewhere else. You couldn't order parts through it. 
Um, but I think that the deer's service advisor between that and parts advisor yeah. or parts expert, um, that's, I think that's the, the superior one. Um, I'm sure somebody from cat will say that this is the best thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree. You know, service advisors got it easy to navigate, you know, you can do a lot with it, but yeah. Somebody's always going to be, I'm, I'm going to be wrong. Just like, you know, I'm not a Milwaukee guy, but Milwaukee's the best tool around, right? Yeah. Fuck. I don't know. <laughs> it's what I got. It's yeah. what I got. So it becomes the best tool around. Yep. Well, shit. Uh, so you kind of wanted to talk about uh, getting the younger gens into the, into the trade. Yeah. Or the trades, whatever. Um, yeah, whatever. That's kind of a lost cause, man. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough because you're like, I was talking with somebody else about this the other day. And, um, you know, like, because schools push university because that's how their, their success rate is measured. Like my high school, you know, their bragging point was that they had like 90% placement or 90% accepted into into university or, or college or whatever it was. And I think as long as the education system and the government sees that as success, that it's going to be that much tougher because I mean, like, so you had 90% get into college, how many graduated first of all. And secondly, like if you get into an apprenticeship at 18, let's say you graduate college at like 22 or 23, you look at an apprentice that gets in at 18 and then by like 23, that dude's in his career. Like he's probably a journeyman and whatever he is. And like, he's got a marketable set of skills. He's making real money. He has no fucking debt unless he buys a big truck, like a dipshit. Mm -hmm. And guess what? He's already got 401k. If he's smart. Right. Right. Like if you join, so like 49 or like local 49 is the operators union out here. And that's what mechanics fall under. And like, you get a dude that comes in as an operator, let's say out of 18. Yeah. He's going to be operating a shovel for a little bit, but like by the time he's, 23 24 he's a journeyman he makes journeyman status he's five years vested in his retirement or his pension plan like is he you know oh well they make this job makes you 60 grand when you get out of school okay our apprentices make 60 grand a year or more depending on what they want to do i mean by six years you're making i mean it's a to be fair i live in the metro so the twin cities does pay more than certain areas but like most journeymen are making probably close between 90 and a hundred K a year. And that's if they have like the seasonal layoff period or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I think it's, it's tough to sell them. And you know, people always, people get weird about money, like talking about money. And I think that that's one thing that like, we kind of have to not be weird about. Like when you go talk to classes full of kids, like I do that through crew. Oh yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like we talk, money is a big thing that we make sure we talk about. Cause like some of these kids are like, well, construction workers don't make money. I'm like, I get that dude digging that ditch out there. Or like the dude that's redoing your parking lot is making more than most of the people in this building. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's tough. I, I kind of just like whatever with it, you know, you can only talk about it so much. All right. Um, you know, you're part of the crew collab. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you try to do your thing um, with that. I kind of want to talk about that because, you know, I, I talked about it with Brian Furness uh, a little bit. Yep. And he he talked about kind of what you just said. Um, you know, what what is your part in that and what do you do and how do you help with it? 
So, um, I'm on the board and the two things that I, I guess, partake the most in is the ambassador program where we kind of, we, we talk to people and we, we put them through a training program, um, to help them be better advocates for the trade, whether it's for their company or just for the trades in general. Um, and then I do a lot of classroom talks. So I probably once a week or once every two weeks, um, I'll talk to a group of middle school, high school, trade school kids, um, about, my specific job in the trades and, and what that brings to the table. And then we have kind of a, a plethora of people from kind of all walks of the trades. So we get, we still have like your office people, but just like anywhere, I mean, if I didn't have office people, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do my portion and without us, they couldn't do their portion. So it kind of, it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, but I did have a guy, I had a kid the other day ask, what a career looks like. Like if you come in as a mechanic, do you stay as a mechanic the whole time? Like, do you, is there different, do you become a teacher? Um, and that was kind of one that like kind of stumped me. Cause like you definitely have the dudes that like will turn wrenches for 40 fucking years mm -hmm. or 30 years or whatever mm -hmm. it is. But you also have dudes that will turn wrenches and they're like, okay, well, and then they go into like a, a service advisor role um, or they're for the deer dealership, like the most senior tech we had moved into i forget what his title was he was basically but he was like the i don't even know what you classify he basically went out there and dealt with the new machines and making sure everything was scored away but he would also advise some of the techs if they had bigger problems like hey we've shot DTAC a message they said we have no idea like we've sent you know submitted cases or whatever and he was kind of like the the dude there like the the DTAC in-house or whatever like the advisor mm -hmm. um you also have dudes that go into the office and become service managers or service writers or whatever it is um but yeah i mean it i think it's it's tough because depending on what you do like at least for wrenching there's not necessarily like a career progression whereas like let's say you're a carpenter like you're going to be an apprentice and then you're going to be a journeyman and then you're probably going to go to like a foreman or a site super or a GC or whatever. Um, whereas you don't really have that, at least not in like my, like my company, that's not really how it works. You just, you can go somewhere else if you want to, but a lot of the guys will just stay as a wrench for 25, 30 years. And yeah. that's what they end up doing. Hmm. How does, so uh, is that something you have to be invited into? for the crew or how did, how did somebody get into that? If anybody's interested? Yeah. So, um, you can be, you can join the crew through. So like the ambassador program, I guess would be like the, one of the starting points. So you just fill out an application. Um, we just started like the, the spring class. Um, so we'll do a couple weeks of training. Um, there'll be, you know, um, uh, some online class, like basically zoom classes calls with us. Um, or the, the people that run it. Um, and then we basically just try to help, help you on your own trajectory, um, figure out what you, what you want to do or how you can best serve your industry in your area. Um, so like, uh, Brian, I believe Brian went through the last class, um, of ambassadors and he kind of got to see, how that works and what, what can happen, what, what doesn't happen. Um, but the big thing is you're just trying to become a better advocate and a better ambassador for the trades. Cause I remember like when I, and I have only been doing it for a little bit. So it, 
it's kind of changed probably from when you first got it, but like you always have those grumpy shop dudes that like don't want to fucking help anybody. They're like, Hey, I fucking suffered. You got to fucking suffer. Like the army was the same way. Right. Like mm-hmm. I got shit on. So I'm going to shit on you because that's how it happened to me. And they don't really have a rhyme or reason for it. Um, and they're trying to break that stigma in the sense that like, Hey, you know how you guys complain that there's nobody coming in and like you're getting overworked? Well, if you treat people better and we we start teaching more than just, you know, yelling at, at people or whatever, then you know, you might get some more some more interest in it. But um yeah, you can go that way. Um most of our our board um is either they were either in before the ambassador program or they're people that were an ambassador. Um and then we have a couple different programs. We have a new one called Framework, and that one's actually pretty cool um, because that's like a, a mentorship program. So, like, if you're a high school kid and you're looking at maybe a career in, like, wrenching, it would be somebody that I would, like, pair up with, and I would kind of show them, you know, hey, this is one way you could get into it, or this is another way, or point them in the right direction and kind of talk them through because – there's a lot of different ways you can be a mechanic, right? Like you could be an auto mechanic or heavy equipment or whatever. Um, but framework's cool because you get paired up with somebody who's doing the career that you, you could potentially be doing and they can kind of walk you through the process or at least kind of help you network. Um, but networking, I, I mean, that's one of the big benefits to crew is the, is the networking. Kind of like when you go to Connex, like the equipment's cool, but the people you meet are, are cooler in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Shit, that's uh, pretty cool. I guess I, I I've kind of thought about joining, but at the same time, I'm like, do I have enough time for it? <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, it can take up as little of your time or as much as you want. Um, I know that depending on what's going on, it takes up more of my time or less of my time. Um, but yeah, we kind of have a little bit of everything. Like we have people kind of in all all walks of it we got operators like one of the guys ryan like he takes all of his zoom calls from a cab of a dozer or a grader mm-hmm. like you can see him running equipment just but he's part of it. he's plugged in or whatever um and then we have people that work in offices that can you know they can cut out a little more time because they you know they have that that flexibility but yeah i've definitely i've definitely been part of those zoom calls where i'm like working in a machine and you know there's, there's a couple of cuss words some wrenches thrown but whatever <laughs> Cool, man. Well, I appreciate the info on all that, and uh, yeah. hopefully we can help somebody out if they're interested. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. I kind of want to jump back real quick. You know, uh, yeah, you you're kind of new in the field. Yep. Uh, you kind of asked me if I had any issues that I get stumped. Do you find yourself getting stumped at all? You know, being new to cranes and green? all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. super green. Um, yeah, so that's. I mean, coming from. I guess the heavy equipment background, the big difference is um, obviously you're going to be like the system. So like hydraulics are hydraulics, pumps, motor, all that shit, all works the same. But how they're controlled, um, how you work into them, how you plug into them, um, it's different on the crane side. And then there's a lot more rules and regulations that have to be filed because there's rigging and there's a lot higher risk of. Yeah. Yeah. but yeah, getting to know the systems because we're a dealer for so many brands. So we have like Grove, National, Manitowoc, Potane, Palfinger, Autocrane, all that kind of stuff. So you kind of have to learn how to work all of them. Um, and then just like at Deer, like your laptops, I would say your laptop is one of your biggest tools. I would say my service truck is. Um, 
but your laptop is one of your biggest tools. So learning how to navigate each one's little quirks. Um, but there's a lot of sensors on these cranes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like there's, I bet you on like those big grove, um, all terrain cranes, I bet you there's as many sensors and controllers on there as there are in combines. Like oh, the yeah. new John Deere combines got like 32 controllers or whatever it is. I bet you there's as many on these cranes and they measure how fast the winch is going out, you know, what the, you know, cause they also have like Trimble systems in them for, you know, your wind or to, to measure all your metrics. So it's pretty cool when you sit in the cab and you see all the screens and you can see everything like position load, how much weight on each outrigger, how much drift you have, uh, how much, you know, how much flex you have in your boom, all that kind of shit. What you're, what you're rated to pick, what you're not ready to pick all that. So trying to adjust to that has been, uh, that's probably been like the, the biggest learning curve. Um, do you call in for help a lot? I don't call in as much as I thought I would. I, I mean, I thought like a couple of the times I've been out there, I, I've called, um, we got a, a senior in the shop that I'll, I'll chat with occasionally. Um, cause a lot of them are, are customers that he deals with. Um, but for the most part, like when it comes to a lot of that, um, you're the big thing with crane. I mean, you're trying to fix them and repair them. Um, and depending on what the crane is, um, sometimes it's an easy fix. Sometimes it's not, um, the biggest adjustment has been like on a construction site. If a machine goes down, you know, it's obviously slowing people down. It can be inconvenient, but, um, like when a crane's in use, like somebody's waiting, like there's a whole crew waiting. Cause they're like, Hey, you have a beam 200 feet in the air. Yep. Okay. Well, we can't lower it down. So the crew can't pin it. And then this crew's got to wait. So like you got multiple crews or multiple companies waiting on you to figure out why this crane won't let them winch down or turn or whatever it is. Um, they're putting a big hotel in over by the mall of America. And I was out there because they had a crane that wouldn't, the guy had swung it and it free swung. So like a swing brake didn't engage and it like wedged itself against part of the building. So the winch wouldn't work. The crane didn't want to more any functions because it felt like it was impacted, but we couldn't get it off the building. Cause you can't drive anything or lift up upriggers without having that, that sensor be free. Um, meanwhile, there's a whole crew on the roof waiting for that, that big HVAC unit to get dropped so they can, they can plummet. And, you know, we got everybody sitting around waiting, but yeah, just adjusting to the, the new systems versus the other stuff is probably the, the biggest change for me. Yeah. I could see that, man. I, I think it, I, I got mad props to, or I give mad props to Blaine Bowen, man. He, he's got some, uh, some cool videos, and him working yeah, on I've, some of these cranes, I'm like, dude, I couldn't do that shit. I don't know if you've seen any of his TikToks or anything like that. Uh-oh, we are frozen. Okay, there you are. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> you were froze. Sorry. That's all right. Yeah. Um, no, I've been following, I've been following like his, his TikToks and stuff like that. I actually just bought, um, he posted about that tool tray. Mm-hmm. That, that thing is cool shit. Tray. I know. I just ordered one. I called the guys up. I was like, Hey, you still making these? They're like, yeah. So I ordered one up cause I have like a, like a soft sided bag, but it doesn't really work. It doesn't hold shit. And I didn't, I mean, I was looking at metal tool trays. I'm like, well, I mean this, 
he likes it. It seems to work well. It'll, I measure. I did the measurements, and it fits in one of my compartments pretty well. So I just decided to do that. Hmm. But sweet. Yeah, he's got some. He's got some really cool stuff. Yeah, I got mad props for that guy because he's new as well. You know, he's been doing it for a little bit, and some of the stuff he figures out, I'm like, I wouldn't have figured that out because I know nothing about oh, those machines. Sure. <laughs> but. Well, what do you think about closing this guy down? We're at uh, about an hour and 20-ish minutes. And yeah. you, you keep freezing up. So, uh, Yeah, I'm ready for bed. It's late. It's later there for you. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Uh, had a long day myself. So, Yeah. Anyway, I appreciate you coming on the, the podcast, man. It's been a long time waiting. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, if you're uh, ever interested in coming back on and bullshitting or doing a live or anything like that, you just let me know. Absolutely, my man. And, uh, you know, you being a green guy, uh, I wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors, <laughs> you know, learning more and more. Absolutely. And, you know, helping get people into the trades and all that good stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I but, also need to take a picture or a screenshot of your shirt so I can get put it on the Oh, my, my fuck that shirt. Yeah. Actually, yeah, let me, right there, like that. This is all going on the podcast. <laughs> Sweet. You guys uh, will see in the shout out what I'm talking about. It's pretty great. I also agree with the shirt. But, uh, Eric. The best, the oh, best, go ahead. The best part's the back. Oh, really? Yeah, the back says, uh, it says fuck deaf on the front, and on the back it says make engines great again. Ah, <laughs> make engines powerful again. Yeah. Not restricted. <sighs> All right, man. Yeah, let's let's close this thing out. And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Again, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Take care, man. See ya. Uh...